So welcome to the next episode of the Club Soda podcast. I'm Laura Willoughby. I'm one of the founders of Club Soda and I'm here with Drew Yeager. Hey, is- Laura, how are you doing? I'm good. I'm good. I'm uh, I'm hunkering down because it's winter and it's cold and it's wet and it's raining, uh, which is why I think you've picked a really good episode of the podcast for us today, which is all about drinking at home. Yeah, it does. It does strike me, you know, as particularly as we were in the run up to Christmas um, and we all get warm and cozy in our houses, um, then alcohol can become really very present either in our thinking or just in our kitchens and our drinks cabinets um, in a way that can really trip us up. Um, so we had this amazing discussion at the festival back in October, um, which was chaired by Richard Piper from Alcohol Change, all about how to stop drinking at home. Um, and it feels like it's a really good opportunity just to remind people if you've set up your home environment in a way that makes drinking easier or makes it feel inevitable just as we're entering the festive period now might be a time to shake things up a bit and the panel have got some awesome tips for doing that it's really funny actually because when people talk about well i'm a home drinker or i'm a social drinker i'm like how did you ever get that to uh, able to even articulate that division in your life i was just a drinker i drank mm-hmm. everywhere it didn't really matter if you said to me is home drinking your problem i'd be like no it's all of it so i i you know is it that people have a particular place i guess some people do a lot of people during lockdown said they didn't drink because social drinking was their mm-hmm. drink which meant they never drank when they were so home based Yeah, I think that really has changed. I think over the past couple of years, people are able now to distinguish between at-home drinking and not-at-home drinking because we went through, what, 18 months when not-at-home drinking was really a very difficult prospect. Um, And so people really could see the difference between, you know, the the kind of habits that I have at home and then the kind of habits that I have out with friends. And people's drinking really polarised during lockdown in a way which I think took a lot of people by surprise, especially if you were uh, an emotional emotional drinker, if you drank because of stress and anxiety, then your drinking might have rocketed during the pandemic and it may not have returned to anything like normal. So this may still be a live issue for you. Yeah. I, I When I reflect back on my drinking, what I realised about my home drinking um, was that I was deeply uncomfortable being alone. I wasn't lonely. And this is a distinction I've had to learn. I, and I have learned since giving up drinking, but I was, I, I got so used to drinking and being out and drinking that being at home on my own actually felt quite alien. And then, um, guilt would, um, seep in. And then I was bored because I wasn't out and I wasn't willing to find the other things to put in my time. So I basically drank from boredom and uncomfortableness about being alone and then being kept to my own thoughts and maybe even feeling guilty about drinking. And so I drank. So all in all, <laughs> it was uh, it was the fact that I was drinking a lot that made me drink more at home as well. Does that make some sense? Yeah, it makes perfect sense. I mean, I know for myself, my at home drinking was actually just that that's what I thought grown ups did. You know, so the the you know, surely everyone, when you go to the supermarket, you buy three bottles of wine and put them on the um, conveyor behind your veg that you need for dinner, because that's what grown ups do. You know, it was just I just completely took for granted that at home drinking was just a part of life. And the big eye-opener for me was realizing A, that that was going on, but then also just swapping out alcohol for alcohol-free drinks. And that transformed my home drinking completely. So now, generally, you know, I'll have one alcohol-free beer with dinner and I'm done. I'm back to cups of tea for the evening. It's all good. And do you have that because you think it marks a change? You know, why don't you just have um, a Coke or a lemonade at dinner? Oh, because I can do without the sugar. 
um, that late at night. And also because, you know, I like beer and I don't like being drunk. So that makes alcohol-free beer the obvious choice. It does feel like um, because alcohol is um, becomes that treat at the end of the day, um, that it's okay to still have a treat at the end of the day. And that can be a drink that you don't drink during the day to hydrate. Yeah. So oh, yeah. That, that marking a change in time, a change in pace is actually okay. And you can do that with, you know, a hot chocolate. We do do that in the evening to help us sleep or mm-hmm. a sleepy tea, or you could do it with an alcohol-free beer. So th- these things are all good. I yeah, think absolutely. Useful tactics. Yeah. So this uh, this uh, discussion was recorded at the Global Mindful Drinking Festival in October 2021. You're going to hear from Richard Piper, who's the chief executive of Alcohol Change, um, and he's joined by Club Soda member, writer and community activist Laura Jerram, by Emma Gilmore, who's a counsellor psychotherapist who lives in Melbourne, Australia, Latif Joseph Maynard, the founder of The Wagon, an alcohol-free pop-up cocktail bar, and Ian Billick, who is a former Club Soda volunteer and blogger. Blogger. Enjoy. A uh, very warm welcome to you. Um, we are here today, everybody, to talk about uh, drinking at home, and in particular, uh, I, I love the title of this session. How to stop it? <laughs> and, um, admir- <laughs> admirably uh, blunt um, and direct and clear uh, kind of uh, call to action for people. Um, and we've got a fantastic panel um, who I'm going to be asking to introduce themselves in just a moment, and we're going to be exploring uh, their experiences. Uh, and as well as their expertise of, um, yeah, drinking at home, uh, what's different about drinking at home, um, and also, yeah, what are the what are the key things you need to be doing if you want to cut down or stop drinking at home? So uh, to kick us off, I'm going to ask uh, first Latif, uh, then Laura, and then Ian, uh, if you could just briefly introduce, uh, firstly, where you're at in terms of drinking sort of now, just so we can get a feel for that, where you used to be at, but We'll have more time to talk later, so maybe just a brief summary of kind of where you used to be at, um, and also, yeah, your I guess why you're here today, how what your link is, I suppose, with this this space, this wonderful drinking space. So over to you, Latif, then then Laura, then Ian. Thanks very much, Richard. Um, so I think my yeah my journey to this particular moment has been quite interesting. I um, drank very heavily through my. Um, for most of my life if I'm very honest and I think that sort of started to uh, culminate uh, when I got very busy with work and I managed to realise that I developed some harmful some harmful relationship with alcohol um, and I, I wanted to, to change that I wanted to reframe my relationship or, or, or reset it kind of as it said at the start of this call so I think it's really important to say that I, I'm a drinker now but I, I guess I'd call myself a moderate drinker I guess I'm happy to say that I'm not the same person who has to drink on a Tuesday just to be able to get into work on a Wednesday um, and, and that's been really freeing for me um, and, and that freedom and that sort of um, benefit that I got from my life I wanted to share with other people who I thought were in a similar um space to me so I've got a very barky dog if you can hear anything in the background um, <laughs> and so I set up uh, a company called a small company called The Wagon which is an alcohol free uh, pop-up bar um, so we do very high quality alcohol free cocktails as you can see we've got some bottles behind us and giving a sort of out-out experience of, of really high-end quite fancy cocktails but they don't have alcohol in them we're in the uh, middle of um, creating a delivery box around that now, so you can have everything you need to have a great drink at home that doesn't have alcohol. Uh, so that's that's me. 
Thanks very much, Latif. Um, if you just want to put yourself on mute, fantastic. Um, although your, your, your dog's gorgeous, um, uh, we probably just want to hear uh, from Laura as well. So, um, Laura, over to you. Hi, um, thanks for having me here. Um, so I haven't uh, drunk alcohol now for over three and a quarter years. Um, when I decided to stop drinking, I was um, working from home and I was also um, I'm a mum. So actually I would leave work, which is my house, go and pick up the school, come back to my house. And um, so I was a long time before that really stopped going to pubs and clubs. So my drinking really did just happen at home. Um, I wasn't. Um, so I would probably start drinking early evening when the whole bath and bedtime routine started to happen and the sensory overload came in, the kids are tired, everyone's tired. Um, and so I found very quickly that I was using alcohol as a bit of a crutch to get me through that um, part of the day. And it wasn't really for enjoyment or pleasure. And so that's when I started to think and reflect upon how I was drinking and why I was drinking. And um, I didn't feel comfortable with the choices I was making. So I um, I think I thought about moderating for a while or I tried it for a while and it just didn't work for me. I'm very much an all or nothing type of person in most areas of my life. So moderating stuff is actually anything is really challenging. So very quickly, I kind of, well, not very quickly, but I soon came to realize that it was either alcohol or no alcohol. And my choice was quite binary and I chose no alcohol. So yeah, that's, that's where I am now. I'm really enjoying everything about having an alcohol-free lifestyle. Fantastic. So we're going to hear more about how you got there later. Um, yeah. But um, over to Ian now, just to introduce yourself. Hi, yeah. Um, Hi. I've, I'm Ian. I've been sober for uh, about the same time as Laura, actually. I'm a Club Soda member, and that's how I know Laura and Drew and everyone at Club Soda. Um, yeah, sober for over three years, um, and I was a heavy drinker before I became sober. I'd spent many years knowing that I was drinking too much, but progressively, despite me trying to stop and slow down and give myself lots of rules about when I should drink, um, only at weekends, um, maybe only one or two beers a night, I failed um, miserably because I, I wasn't clear enough in my objectives about what I actually wanted to do. I never really committed fully to it. And my drinking just got steadily worse um, over... Yeah, over quite a long period of time, but it got to the point where I was getting drunk every night. Um, and yeah, that's exhausting. It's a horrible existence because you live in this perpetual cycle of regret and self-hate. And, and you tell yourself you're not going to drink um, when you wake up in the morning and you go through a work day. And um, slowly as the day goes on, you convince yourself that maybe it'll be OK if I have one when I get in maybe two if they're on special at the supermarket. Um, so, yeah, and, and that's what would happen every single day until one day um, I just came to a point where I just thought, this is going to kill me. I, 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 I have to stop. Um, I was lucky that my little sister, she's my best friend as well, we were really close, and she had stopped drinking. We would drink together all the time, um, and it would often be at home as well, which is, I think, why I've been asked to come on today because I didn't go to the pub very often. It's more expensive. I get more, more, for my, more, more for my bucks if I drank at home. So, yeah, she'd stopped drinking six months prior to me, to the day. Um, so she was already walking the walk. Um, and 
I, I just turned to her. I said, sis, I need to, I need to stop. I've had it. I, I can't do this anymore. So she said, come around tonight and we'll have a chat. And yeah, and we did. And I was determined at that point. It felt different. That time it felt different. It felt like I was going to do this. Yeah. And that was, yeah. Um, over three years ago now and I haven't looked back. It's, it's absolutely life changing. So, um, yeah, thanks, Ian. That's what yeah, yeah, we're going to hear more from you in a moment. Um, that's no that's really, really helpful. Thank you so much. Yeah, I really look forward to hearing more about that in the detail. Um, and our final panelist um, this uh, morning or afternoon or evening, depending where you are in the world, uh, is Emma. Emma Gilmore. We're just doing very quick introductions, Emma. Just um, where your drinking used to be, where it is now. Um, if you're happy to share that, uh, and also yeah. kind of your connection, your connection with uh, the Global Mindful Drinking Festival. What you're here today for yeah well um I stopped drinking about two years ago I started off aiming to do a year um not drinking and then I just uh, it just felt like the right thing for me to carry on um I was a big party person I um I did I kind of was in the 90s in Soho um in London and um, I lived that kind of lifestyle until I had my kids. Um, and then even when we had our kids, we were still drinking a lot during the weekends and lots of binge drinking, lots of parents coming around with kids and um, just getting really hammered a lot of the time. And then it slowly started to take its toll on me. I began to feel really crappy about myself. Um, the, you know, the kind of normal story, my kids started to become teenagers and they started to comment on my drinking and asked me if I wouldn't bring wine into their bedrooms when I was putting them together and that sort of thing. So that was um, probably the kickstart. I had a breakdown because I was um, I, had, I was just working really hard and living on alcohol and caffeine and whatnot. Um, and as I built myself back up, uh, stopping drinking was part of that process for me. And sorry, what was the other question? <laughs> What you, you kind of do professionally or, or in relation to kind of your connection, I suppose, with Club Soda or with uh, the Global Mind? Yeah. Yeah, sure. So I um, retrained as a counsellor and psychotherapist and I'm a This Naked Mind coach as well. Um, so that's what I do as my profession. I work with midlife women wanting to find their groove without the booze. Um, and uh, my, my connection with Club Soda, well, I went to the uh, went to the Global Drinking Festival last year as a newly qualified coach and participated in all the um, panel uh, experiences and thought, this is so amazing. I would love to be on here one day. And a year later, how lucky am I? <laughs> Well, we're very lucky to have you. So, um, uh, thank you. yeah, no, it's great to have you here. So, um, I think a, a great way to start off would be just to um, have a little uh, kind of reflection amongst the five of us, I guess, of um, sort of the reasons for drinking at home. And I think um, it, I think it's really healthy with all with all of these things that become bad habits to kind of almost see, you know, that there are going to be some negative reasons, but there may also be some positive reasons. I think it's really important that we acknowledge positive reasons or the, what perceived as positive reasons for people that are getting into uh to drinking we're all kind of all i think all five of us are kind of like come out the other side and to come at it with a particular lens but people who might be at the start of the journey 
will be seeing positives potentially in their home drinking. So, yeah, what, what were the initial causes and sort of uh, feelings that led, led to drinking increasing? Well, we'll start with, um, um, we'll take, take Laura and, and Ian first, I think, uh, and then we'll come to Latif and Emma second. Um, so, so, Laura, yeah, what reasons for drinking home? Well, I mean, you know, just like Emma in the 90s, I was also um, in Soho. So maybe we were in the same bars at the same time at some point. But I mean, it was an organic thing, really. I, you know, I had children. I spent less and less time outside of the home socializing. Um, and soon it, it did become about actually managing the stress of motherhood, if I'm really honest. Um, and there's quite a few uh, Facebook groups out there for, for mums, and they all really do enable drinking quite strongly, or lots of them do. I, you know, and there's always the messages like there's five o'clock somewhere, you can have your G&T now or your beer or your Prosecco. Um, and, it, and it really was for me a, um, you know, when you become a mother, it's a parent, actually, it's um you do lose a little bit of your pers- of your identity or it has to there has to be a bit of a shift from pre-motherhood where you could go out and wake up at 10 o'clock the next morning to suddenly you know five o'clock wake-ups and losing a bit of that identity and I guess there was a um these club these Facebook groups are often trying to hold on to that and encouraging people to still drink with each other while you're doing all the stuff that you're you're doing and um I just it didn't you know, it was a positive in that it connect, kept me connected, I guess, with other other people, other other. At that time, I was a stay at home mum, and other people who weren't getting out and connecting with other people face to face. And so, you know, there was this this encouragement, this snowballing of that, like you know, and it, like all these mums somewhere in the world having it. You know, there was even like Facebook posts where there would be cheers, and everyone would like suddenly put a selfie of themselves with their glasses of wine. And I was just watching this and just thinking this doesn't feel healthy and I don't want to judge people because I was very much there. You know, I'm not saying that um, I, I, I certainly don't want to come across as judgmental, but I just started to feel uncomfortable with that. And I had to, um, I had to change my narrative of what being somebody, being a mum is. And, you know, and I had to find a new, a new path. And I also had to find a new narrative of what being a not drinker was when I did decide to, to stop drinking and find other things that gave me that input that that um, connection and I think you know that alcohol does give you whether you're in the pub or whether you're online talking to people great thanks very much Laura um, and, and Ian um, uh, what, was, what were your reasons for drinking at home um, well like I've kind of talked about already um, it was a lot cheaper <laughs> um, I, I'm Generally, I'm an introvert as well. Um, so if I if I would go out, um, I would I'd, I'd normally drink before I went out. So I'd get myself on a level. I used to have this rule. Um, I used to smoke weed as well all the time, and I stopped doing that the moment I stopped drinking. And I would smoke three joints, have three beers, strong beers, and have three whiskies before I went anywhere. Uh, so whenever I got to the pub, I was already quite wasted. Um, but you wouldn't tell too much. Uh, and, and then I'd, I'd, I'd spend the night at a pub seeing people and I'd needed to get to that level for my kind of anxiety that I had underlying. Um, and, you know, by the end of it, everyone was drinking too slowly. Uh, it was just, I was just, I, I, I kind of felt that like I wanted to drink more. I wanted to get more wrecked. It kind of, when I used to drink, it just used to, I just used to want to just go full at it. And often you'd be in a situation where you're out 
maybe a nice meal with some friends or with your family or something and it's not really the done thing to start smashing back beer after beer with whiskey chases and everything so i wasn't able to drink at the pace um that i wanted to and if i was able to invariably i'd get absolutely wasted while i was out and i could barely talk or walk and it was just embarrassing it was dangerous and i just wanted to get home where i could get drunk um where nobody could watch me um so and in the end it just kind of i just thought there's no point in going out i'll go out i'll still go out occasionally but i i just i thought well i've got it all here i could smoke weed at home so i'd end up and it was a way to kind of dampen down all the angst and the noise that was in my head all the time um self-medicating basically it's textbook self-medicating and then create a problem uh and and it just developed and over time i just i just drunk more and more um and yeah um it got to the point where i needed it to feel um on a level you know uh so yeah textbook introvert drinking to kind of dull the, the the noise in my head and um and self-medicating with it and it becomes addictive it's an addictive substance so you become addicted to it um and before you know it you're drinking lots and lots every single night um so yeah that's kind of how i got to it but it was it's, it's financial <laughs> as much as anything else so bad yeah it's actually, that, that it's actually yeah which one of the reasons why i stopped would you believe i, I obviously wanted to, to um to just because i knew i was going to kill myself but that wasn't quite enough for me it was the fact that i was going to end up broke i was going to end up on the street if i didn't stop drinking it was the only way that i could see that i could save money um and i thought i can't i can't even afford to pay my rent this month what am i going to do and i thought i'm going to have to do it i'm going to have to stop drinking <laughs> so it's kind of like a financial incentive there to stop drinking first i didn't even think of all the other benefits it would bring i just thought well if i don't stop drinking i'm going to be out on the streets um so yeah it's mad that you can get to that yeah, kind of yeah, yeah. situation you also mentioned your sister um and your yeah. sister sort of being someone who sort of drank alongside you in a, in a way or, or at the same yeah. time as you yeah yeah she um we, we used to sing together in a band we, we had a, um, a duo i'd learned guitar a few years ago through a period of depression um and we've always enjoyed singing and she's got a fantastic voice and um we we decided that it'd be quite a cool thing if we to go to pubs and do gigs and stuff with me playing guitar and singing and we'd harmonize <clears throat> so we're in this environment where you're you know you're you're in a pub and you're, you're performing and you're just necking them you're getting free drinks from everyone and but when we practice as well we would always get just so drunk i'd go around to her house she lives quite locally to me um <clears throat> so i'll take my guitar around there and we'd practice and everything and, and we'd drink together and we'd end up drinking till two in the morning, three in the morning on a, on a school night, you know, and we'd get up for work or she'd get up to take the kids to school the next day. And it seemed like, well, well, yeah, it's funny. Aren't we rock and roll kind of thing? Um, so we drank a lot together. We shared a lot together. We were, we became very close because of it. Um, yeah. And she, we, we, there were many times where we were saying to each other the next day, we'd say, Oh my God, when I come over tonight to practice, we won't drink. Yeah, no drinking tonight. And that wouldn't work. She'd, she'd, she'd have bought a bottle of wine. I'd come around with a couple of beers and just say, oh, a couple of be okay, won't it? So, yeah, and, and we tried many times to, to stop drinking together, uh, but it was always half-hearted. And then one day she just stopped. Um, 
And so it was very, very useful for me um, when I decided to stop to be able to go to her and say, listen, what do I need to do? Because and she was fantastic when she stopped drinking. She didn't push it on me. She didn't say you've got to stop because she knows how useless that is. It has to come from the person that wants to stop. Um, and if it doesn't, then it's not going to happen. They have to want to stop drinking like truly. Otherwise, it doesn't work. So, yeah, she didn't push it on me. She didn't say, you've got, you know, judge me or anything. There was none of that. She just kind of she was just there um, ready for me when I was ready to stop. And when I was ready to ready to stop, she was. Yes, just obviously a massive support. And she actually put me on onto Club Soda. She was a member of Club Soda when I stopped. And she said, I'll leave Club Soda because you need your own space because you're going to be talking about lots of things, sharing a lot of stuff that you might not want me to see. Um, so I'll leave Club Soda. You join Club Soda because it's awesome. And I've got another group that I'll stick to anyway. Um, so she left Club Soda so I could join. And that's how I started. I joined on the first day. I stopped drinking because she said it's one of the most important things you can do is to have a community around you. And I still stick to that now. I think it's so important to have a community mm. of like-minded people mm. because you're gonna, on your own. It feels so lonely. <laughs> yeah, we're going we're gonna to come on to, to how to make the change. But yeah, sure. thanks, Ian. Yeah, yeah. A really no worries. A rich sense of uh, kind of what, where, where you were at. So, uh, Latif, um, what were the, your reasons for drinking at home? Um, yeah, just to say sort of thank you, um, Laura and Ian, for sharing that. And it's it's just so interesting that in different ways, so I'm, I'm not a mother, you know, I, I didn't necessarily drink in the exact same way as you did, Ian, but I see so many similarities and just that feeling of, of a pattern and being on a treadmill and I guess coming to the realisation of, oh, actually, this isn't, this isn't working for me. So I think... I think my um, drinking is, and I, and I, I think you know, I, I just like to say I'm not very, I'm not perfect with this, and I think I'm, I'm still on a journey, and there's still development for me to do. Um, but it's very linked to stress, and I think when I really got into like a pro- problems with my drinking is when I was quite stressed at work, and I would use drink to kind of, okay, well, if I have a drink, then I don't feel stressed anymore, or I, you know, I've got the buzz of feeling tipsy or the buzz of feeling drunk, and then that's okay. So I've like, I fixed it, but I hadn't really fixed it. I was just kind of masking it, you know, very poorly and, and making it worse and kind of throwing myself into feeling hungover the next day, having to drink the next day. So I really felt like I was on this treadmill where every single day I would, I would invent a reason to drink um and it just became my pattern um and then i'd drink because i was hungover so i didn't want to be hungover so i've got a drink and it's just there was always a reason um but yeah finding myself basically stressed was 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 a, was a big trigger for me and my um drinking and again if i'm honest even, even still now i think i have made a lot of progress there but I can still see more to make. Um, so yeah, very much kind of linked with my relationship with work and, and previously been in quite all consuming jobs where it becomes your life. And so, yeah, just feeling like you're on this treadmill of, uh, you know, I finished at, at, at 11 today. So I've just got to have a quick drink because now this is my time. This is something for me. Um, or, you know, you get to Friday night and it's like, oh my God, I've had the most busy week. So this is, now this is for me. Now I'm going to drink. Now this is fun. And just alcohol being the answer to every problem 
issue in life. I think, Richard, you, at the start, you said to talk about the positives as well. And I think it, it is probably useful to do that. So also, you know, there's this relationship between alcohol and celebration. So if anything good did happen, it was like, oh, okay, great, have a drink. And then I guess you associate good news or something good that happens with a drink or um, a big thing that we kind of think about at the wagon is champagne's often given this sort of hero space it's like oh well done now you have your champagne like what's the alcohol free version of that um but yeah the, the, i guess the positive was you know oh that's oh great we got that project out let's have a drink um which if i'm honest again kept, kept me on that treadmill thanks so much for sharing latif um, and Emma, reasons for you, for drinking, either for you or, or indeed people you you work with, uh, it's obviously obviously in confidence. But yeah, any patterns that you see, I guess, with uh, uh, the reasons why people drink at home. Definitely, definitely. Thank you, Richard. And I hear you, Latif, as well. I think that stress was definitely part of my experience. Um, you know, that kind of running on empty, and I, I say it before, is caffeine alcohol and adrenaline I think that was the most of my 20s and 30s and then when I got into my 40s and this is what I find with a lot of my clients too when the perimenopause hits there's a whole load of symptoms that come with that for women which is like from sort of 40 onwards really 40s until you're sort of you know the average age of menopause is like 51 52 so you've got almost a 10-year period leading up to that when women get symptoms that I like anxiety, um, depression, all kinds of things that slip under the bus. And because nobody really talks about menopause or the perimenopause, these are things that people end up self-medicating with alcohol. And suddenly you find that women in their sort of mid to late 40s, uh, their, their drinking's increasing heavily because they're trying to cope with the stress and anxiety of modern day living. And often you've got parents who are, um, starting to get older and then you've got teenage kids who've got their hormones going crazy you've got your hormones going crazy and certainly that was my experience um, yeah so that was kind of that was my my journey for sure and um, I think you know working what reflecting on what you guys were saying as well you know that finding what your identity is because your identity is so entwined with booze it's a bit like my identity as a corporate marketer before I finished this that was my whole identity so when my career finished I was like who the hell am I same when you stop drinking who who the hell am I if I don't drink if I'm not the drinker you know it's the my best friend my lover my hobby you know <laughs> everything um but yeah for sure there's there's a there's a lot of big journey there, isn't there? I think, and finding what your identity is with when you when you move from drinking or to um, more mindful drinking, for sure. Fantastic, thanks, guys. So I know I didn't ask you to kind of prepare on the basis of talking about reasons first of all, but I think it's so helpful because it helps us realise that actually there's so much going on. Um, so if anyone you know, if anyone watching this, listening to this, and thinking, why can't I just change? It's like, well, there are, there are a lot of very good reasons keeping you trapped where you are, and I think we've covered a lot of ground. But I think I'm going to summarise that as kind of seven, I think, big themes. I'm going to very quickly run through these. So other people, we talk about how other people, and we're going to hear from Ian in a moment how other people could be part of a solution, but other people could be part of the problem. Price. Uh, it's really, really underestimated the degree to which price plays a role. So next week. Uh, the Chancellor uh, will probably freeze alcohol duties, get a big cheer uh, and, and condemn hundreds of people to death. 
Um, that does happen every year. Um, and we've been tracking alcohol duty and death rates. It, it, the, the link is direct. Um, it's just not acceptable. Um, but yeah, we all think it's okay. So we should, we need to be lobbying around price. Um, we've talked about uh, stress and anxiety. I, I guess mental health is a huge area. Uh, I'm sure you come across that, Emma. I'm sure we all relate to that. And I think, Laurie, you talked about that really uh, really clearly uh, as a Jewian and talk about anxiety. And I think um, how, how is mental health stresses um, uh, are, are, are hugely intertwined with alcohol. Um, so if you're struggling with those and you're struggling with alcohol, it, you've got lots to do with. Um, but don't worry, we are going to get there. And the rest of the seminar, we're going to focus on, on the solutions and you're going to feel inspired. Um, the fourth one we talked about actually is escapism. And I think actually escapism is one of the, probably one of the least problematic reasons why people drink. Um, I'm not saying it's not problematic, but it's one, one of the least problematic. Being able to escape the human experience has been something that all of our ancestors have done in every human society ever. And I think it, it's kind of okay occasionally uh, for us to lose it and to, to lose, lose ourselves. The problem is when that becomes your default. The problem is when that becomes your main way of operating. So, so there's nothing wrong, in our view, Alcohol Change UK as an, as an organisation is not against drunkenness, for example. It's part of the human experience. The problem is where that becomes harmful to your life because it becomes embedded and habitual. Uh, the fifth area we touched on um, is the treat and the my time. And you talked about that really, went really nice and Latif, I thought. And I think it really gave us a sense of like how that, uh, uh, that positive association we create, and it is a created association. There's nothing natural about this particular chemical substance and feeling good about yourself. But we buy this marketing, don't we? We buy these stories. We buy these associations and they become deeply embedded. Um, which leads to identity, which Emma touched on. So they become part of who we are. Uh, and then I think the final one, uh, the seventh in the list, uh, I think identity is really key, but identity links to culture. Uh, and actually, we don't just have a, a personal identity. We have societal identities. We are a drinking culture. Um, and, and again, Laura, you talked briefly about Facebook for mums and the, and the gin o'clock and gin-dependent women and all this kind of awful, I mean, I just think utterly uh, anti-feminist, uh, associations between alcohol and, and womanhood and motherhood uh, and also adulthood actually in my experience um you know i was a very very heavy drinker uh from the age of about 17 onwards um and and for me you know i just ended up realizing that i was probably not going to see the grandchildren that was the big moment for me and it was about the long-term health risks it was about uh, looking at just you know i'm playing russian roulette I don't want to. <laughs> I don't want to play roulette. Can I stop playing this game? It, it's a crazy game and it's not doing me any good. And just realising that um, if I wanted to live a long and healthy and happy life, um, you know, I could carry on drinking and get away with it, but it's pretty unlikely. Uh, and I wanted my risks to be best. I wanted my risks to be in my favour, not not against me. Um, and, and it also clicked that I, I was an adult. I was 40. Who was I proving it to anymore that I'm grown up? So, yeah, I kind of think, I actually, I now look back and I see kind of that heavy drinking phase is actually a thing of young adulthood. Uh, and for me, there's a maturity that comes from realising you don't need alcohol to be an adult, um, which I, I, I sometimes worry about <laughs> people older than me who maybe um, are still locked in that association. So I think we've covered a huge amount of ground there. Um, and what we're going to do for the final, for the final um, half hour uh, of this seminar is talk about top tips, solutions, but also some personal stories and journeys for how we got out of how we got out of where we were. 
Um, so I'm going to ask, uh, I'm going to mix the order up a little bit. So uh, Emma, if you would mind going first, just tell us yeah, your top tips and all personal experiences for uh, yeah, how to stop drinking at home. Um, I guess for me, it was um, around find a bit about this identity thing, really honing into what my values were and then letting those kind of lead me. Um, so I found for me, one of my core values is um, personal growth. So I love learning. It's really important to me. So one of the things I did was start to investigate the things that I enjoyed learning wise and enroll in some online courses and things like that. That was, I found that really helpful. Another thing that I did, I'd always wanted to do ocean swimming and I joined a local group of midlife women <laughs> who swim in the ocean and then um they started doing things like every full moon they'd go and do nudie swims in the full moon boobs to the moon was called and just just little things like that that just sort of really light you up and fill your cup and just starting to find out these things who am I what do I actually like um it can be such an exciting and such a, a such a wonderful journey to go on just getting back in touch with yourself getting back in touch with your body getting back in touch with how you feel inside um that was that's certainly been been my experience I even tried um draw life drawing again this weekend on zoom for the very first time since I was like a a, a teenager um so much fun it's so I guess that's it for me it was just and what I encourage people I work with to do is just start to work out what do you actually like that's so that's so, so fantastic and I, I think Ian's got a smile on his face thinking about the naked swimming I think he may have a new a new convert there although, although in Britain we call it sea swimming not ocean swimming because everything's a bit smaller in but yeah, you've got, you've got big things in Australia. You've got oceans and massive continents. We've got we've got we've got the North Sea. But um, uh, thanks so much, Emma. That was really that was really nice. And I think linking that with values, I think, and linking it with personal growth is such a such a positive way to see this. Um, thank you so much. Um, so uh, Latif, to you next. Um, top mm. tips for stopping drinking. Um, oh, so, so I think. I'm going to answer this in a sort of really broad way, but I'm going to dig down on some things. So, you know, my personal experience with drinking was coming home, feeling stressed and, and just reaching to it as a default. And I think setting myself up so that I was kind of prepared and ready to not, to not default was, was a massive, massive change for me. So, you know, a big problem that people have often when people start drinking is that, okay, well, what do I drink? I don't, I don't want uh, to drink a liter of orange juice. I don't want a liter of Coke. Um, yeah, I find water boring. What, what's there for me? And I think, you know, the knowledge is, is and the choice is growing hugely, um, but this is probably still a way to go. Um, and I'm a really, really big advocate, particularly in my, you know, friendship group but in my work around what is it that you enjoy taste wise about drinking do you like a sweet drink do you like a smoky drink do you like a drink that's more bitter what what is it that you look for um in in a drink because there are literally hundreds of products on the market this is just a few back here um but there are so many ways you can enjoy uh, an enjoyable drink at home and if you can kind of figure out what that is for you so do you know what? Um, I used to drink G and T, so you know something that's refreshing about that bitterness. 
just just gets me. We'll sort of set yourself up so that when you are, you know, in that moment, you've you've got the option to to have an alcohol free choice and not just you know default back into your own habit. So, I'm a big advocate for, for preparation and kind of being prepped with something that's going to work for you and it's going to kind of scratch that itch, but also just knowing what it is that you are looking for taste wise because it's not really going to work if you're trying to change your habits if you. Um, buy tons of alcohol-free beers that you don't enjoy you know there are so many different alcohol-free beers and you you might love one but hate another and if you've just bought 10 of the ones that, that aren't for your palate then then it's not going to work so really kind of take the time to prep to understand what it is you're looking for and your chances of success just increase hugely and um, another top tip that really worked for me was um if I thought, okay, I was going to have a wine, starting with an alcohol-free drink and saying, okay, well, I'll, I'll start with that and then I'll see if I need the wine afterwards. And so many times you'll find actually, oh, that was actually quite pleasant. I, I don't know that I, I need it. So just giving yourself the option of um, yeah, choice, basically, um, and including some great alcohol-free options in there is, for, for me, was yeah, actually life-changing. Thanks, Latif. That's so, so helpful. And I think it's really great to hear about alcohol-free uh, adult drinks uh, and those alternatives being being essential. Um, to me, it was essential. I don't think I would be... Um, I'm 800 days dry today. I don't think I would be 800 days dry today, thank you, without, without alcohol-free beers. And I think they were so instrumental in, um, in that, providing that bridge. Um, yeah, my, my wife and I reflected the other day that, oh, my God, we haven't had an alcohol-free beer for two weeks. <laughs> wow. You know, but in the early days, it was like four, five, six. I get, keep, keep going, keep going with the alcohol-free. And as you say, finding the stuff that I really liked, and, and I was very lucky I found part of my job um, involves uh, trying alcohol-free drinks and writing reviews of them. So you know, I was able to take the time. But you're right, it's not always easy. So thank you so much for sharing that. And for Emma, for your, your, your inspiring kind of thoughts about values and personal growth and recasting our identity. I love the idea that we can, uh, we're, like a, we're like a metal statue, but we can melt ourselves down and make ourselves, and you should put ourselves into a new shape. It's really exciting. Um, okay, uh, Ian, do you want to uh, take us into kind of your experiences of, um, yeah, taking control of your drinking at home? Yeah, um, what Emma and Latif have already said is so true. Um, this, I particularly... Uh, relate to Latif, not so much Emma doing boob swimming, but um, Latif for sure with the alcohol-free drinks. Um, it, they were an absolute godsend to me, and I would if I didn't have them, um, I don't think I'd have managed to do what I was doing. Almost as part of the ritual of coming home from work, and whenever I got home from work, I'd crack open a beer. And I was always, although I drank a lot of beer, I would always drink good beer. I'd never, I wasn't ever one of these people that drank. Uh, fosters or if you drink fosters fair enough but i liked my beer to be um i like real ales and i liked a really good strong depth of flavor um uh, and i didn't like the generic beers so much so i'd always buy some decent quality beers so and they're recreated really really well in the alcohol free market they've got some absolute beauties i, I believe some of them have won awards alongside ahead of um alcohol drinks um so the choice is incredible. But for me, it was it was a really important part of me getting home from work, um, cracking open a beer, 
and, 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 and kind of going through that habit, that ritual of having a drink when I got in. Um, my mindset was vital. You have to have the correct mindset because otherwise you're going to drink that alcohol-free beer and you're going to think, oh, I'm not getting pissed. What's the point in, in drinking this? Oh, sorry, am I allowed to swear? Um, yeah, so, um, <laughs> yeah, you need to have the right mindset. You need to be absolutely clear, crystal clear in your head exactly what you're doing whether you're stopping completely whether like latif you're going to uh, moderate a little bit more there can be no blurred lines at all you need absolute and i can't stress this enough absolute clarity about what you're doing uh, because when i first tried to kind of cut back or stop drinking i was i was pretty unclear about what i wanted um i was just like oh shit i'm drinking too much um maybe i need to cut back a little bit and i'd have these vague rules about uh just drinking at the weekend or maybe i'll have one beer after work if it's a stressful day maybe i'll be allowed two beers um and i was just all over the place in my head and it wasn't wasn't until i was 100 percent clear um in my head what i wanted to do which was completely stop it, it became easier um it was drinking alcohol was out of the question it was it wasn't part of the equation it was it was just not an option um so once I had that clear in my head, I could come home from work. I could satisfy um, that habit and that ritual of having a beer after work. And over time, like you, Richard, you were saying you drink a lot more of alcohol-free beers when you first stopped, and then no, you haven't had one for a little while. And I'm exactly the same. I'll drink maybe four or five a night when I first stopped drinking because I was drinking at the same kind of rate maybe that I would have done, maybe not quite as much, but when I was a, as well as was when I was a drinker um but over time you develop a a, a a better relationship I have the relationship with alcohol free drinks now that I wish I had with al the alcohol variety I you know when I was a drinker I was thinking why can't I just have one beer why can't I just maybe have you know go out for a night and just drink two beers over a whole night I can't do this and that's what I do now um you know I'll have I'll buy a four pack of beer and they'll last two weeks and it was unheard of the four pack would last me about an hour before when i was a drinker so yeah um the alcohol free drinks really worked really really helped and and like emma said as well you've got to start really looking into what you enjoy doing um uh kind of go back to your child your inner child in a way uh remember all those things that you maybe did before drink took over before everything was about drinking um for me, I love writing. I've, I've really enjoyed writing and reading as well. And I could never read when I was drinking because I'd just forget where I was and I'd, I'd read a whole book and I wouldn't have a clue what was written. Um, so I, when I stopped drinking, I read a lot. I read a lot to educate myself about the dangers of alcohol, um, what alcohol is. Um, I read a lot of quit lit books, um, the usual ones, Claire Pooley and um, Catherine Gray and um, William Porter, all recommended um jason vale's book was really good so i just read and read and read and i educated myself and i started writing a little bit as well which is where my blog um kind of came from um but yeah you kind of need to change your normal routine or the routine that you had when you were a drinker if you it's, it's really important because if you come home and you sit down and you watch tv maybe like you did before it was a really big trigger for me to sit down and watch tv for maybe two or three weeks, I couldn't do it because I, I associated that with getting pissed. 
So I would not watch TV. I couldn't watch TV when I, for the first few weeks until I got my head around things a little bit more. I couldn't play my guitar because I used to associate that with drinking. So I recognized the trigger. Um, you need to recognize your triggers and you need to avoid them as much as you can. So I would not play guitar and I would not um, watch TV. So it left not very much to do. So I'd read a lot and I cleaned a lot as well. My flat never looked so tidy. <laughs> Just distractions. Um, distract yourself with anything you can. Um, exercise. I, I exercised a lot more. I'd go for a run when I got home from work instead of just lounging around getting drunk. Um, yeah, but, but I think, oh, and a community. <laughs> I've mentioned it earlier. Community is so important because you need like-minded people um, that are going through the same thing as you because you're going to feel very alone to start with. It's going to, you're going to be overloaded with people getting drunk. It's going to be everywhere. It's going to be on movies. It's going to be on TV shows. It's going to be in everything you read about people getting drunk or drinking. So you need people around you that are going through what you're going through um, and can understand the troubles and the stresses that trying to get sober can bring. Um, so, yeah, joining Club Soda was joining Club Soda was one of the most important things I ever did. And, but it doesn't have to be. It can be any community. Uh, AA works for other people. Um, there's lots of different ways you can do it, but it's so important, I think. Um, so, yeah, yeah, that's kind of how I did it. Um, and it worked. <laughs> Thanks so much for sharing it. Yeah, that was really, you covered so much ground there as well. Uh, um, so fantastic. Knowing your triggers, distractions, exercise, some really practical points. Breaking associations, I think, is such a big one. So uh, for those of you that um, like an app, um, I recommend our app. I would, but I think it's fantastic, called Try Dry. Um, it's got this new function in it now called Missions, where you can, uh, you can give yourself a mission. To, to try something that you've not tried before. And I think this growth mindset, this experimental mindset is so important. Um, so, um, you know, you're not always, I mean, I, I think I take your point in about being clear. Um, and I think that probably helped you a lot. I see a lot of people kind of not being completely clear at the beginning and, and starting off on a bit of a journey and, and that clarity can come later. Um, but I think that's okay as well, because I think that you get that experimental mindset where you're going, I'm going to try this, I'm going to try that. You're going to try moderating, I'm going to try cutting back. And actually, a lot of people need to go through that, actually, before they'll move to a, a situation of being kind of, yeah, deciding that's not for them. And I, I kind of think yeah. Yeah, that, yeah. that flexibility about what your goals might be is so powerful. Can I, can I just add that you know, I agree with you entirely, and I think I'd gone through a period the previous years before I stopped drinking of that maybe I can moderate, maybe I can do this. Um, and it didn't work for me. The only thing that worked for me was that, like Laura said earlier, all or nothing. I had to stop completely because nothing else was working. So I think I went through that phase of kind of experimenting with moderating and everything unconsciously um, before I eventually did stop. So, yeah. Yeah. Fantastic. Thank you so much. So, uh, Laura, over to you. Uh, we'd love to hear kind of your, your tips and your experiences. And, yeah, how, how, how would you recommend other people stop drinking from home? Um, so, like Emma, I think there's – and actually everybody on the panel, I think there's a, a really exciting journey to be had in discovering who you are in a, in a world without alcohol, in your world without alcohol. But I think there's also a really strategic approach you can, you can take to it. I think nature hates a vacuum. So if you take something out of your life that's really, really important, has been a big part of your life, and you don't prepare and think about how, to, how you're going to 
replace that with more positive um, and helpful habits, it's going to be really hard, I think, to make to make that change. So I I kind of had a very quickly, well, 15 years ago, I gave up cigarettes. And I learned from that experience that um, you can't just take something out. You have to put something back in. And actually, I ended up drinking more alcohol while I was giving up smoking because I'd have, you know, uh, a glass of a sip of wine and then I'd be like, oh, I don't have a cigarette. OK, I'll have another sip of wine. And it, that didn't work, obviously, you know. Um, so I kind of had quite a pragmatic approach at first. I was like, what are the times of day? What are the things that trigger me? What What are the moments in my day where I struggle? And for me, it was really clear. It was around about the time I was cooking the kids dinner, getting them into bed. And, you know, that's when I probably have a glass of rosé or something as a, as a, you know, treat treats to help me through it um and then once the kids were in bed I'd come downstairs I'd have another couple of glasses of rosé before I knew it I'd had three quarters of a bottle have a headache already you know I'd get my head I'd get my hangover pretty much by 10 o'clock every night because just you know in my 40s you can't do it anymore can you so it was really clear that there were some two really important points in my day that triggered me and so I had I put plans in place for them so the first one was very much about what Latif was saying I made it um uh, I made it sort of like a game or, or a challenge to find and taste lots of different alcohol-free options. Um, some of them were replicants of alcohol, so alcohol-free gin, alcohol-free beer, but also things like kombucha, which I'd never tasted before. I had some really lovely teas. You know, I had this lovely jasmine um, tea that I would drink. And these things had a ritual to them, just like opening the bottle of wine had a ritual. So I wasn't, you know, getting rid of everything. I was keeping a lot of the same habits. I was just changing the kind of medium. Um, and that really helped. And then in the evenings, though, I don't know if you've noticed throughout this session, I can't keep, I can't keep still. I have to fidget. And um, I've been like looking around. It's a whole hour sitting here. Zoom is not a great medium for me when I'm working. But um, I knew I needed to do something with my hands. I knew that I couldn't just sit down and watch TV with my husband and also, you know, my husband's a moderate drinker and he continues to drink. And it's and, you know, that was always going to be my reality. And he he has like three beers a week by some magic and always has done and then goes out for a night out with friends and has maybe five or six. And I just like, how do you even do that? So, you know, he had his groove, but I couldn't tell him I didn't feel you have to stop drinking at home. I was like, when I stopped drinking, when I stopped smoking, I did it before the smoking ban when I worked in a pub because I wasn't going to be told to stop drinking. I was stop smoking. I was going to do it myself on my terms. And I did really feel that way about, about stopping alcohol. Um, so the next thing I needed to do was find something to do with my hands. And about 10 years before I tried knitting and I was terrible at it 10 years before it was just frustrating and it was boring. And I had this sort of really negative mindset about people who craft, you know, really judgmental of me actually. And I was like, Oh God, they're wasting their precious time. They should be out in the clubs. They should be out doing this and, you know, getting wrecked with their mates. And then I just dug out my knitting needles. And before long, like I was knitting all the time and enjoying it so much. Um, really making some lovely things. I was making leg warmers for my kids. I made myself some really nice scarves. And I was like, who who even am I now? Like, who am I? This knitting person drinking jasmine tea. And I was like, well, actually, no, that's pretty cool. And that's that's a good identity to have, right? That's a great identity. And um, and then I thought, okay, so if I can knit, maybe I can do some other stuff. So then I started like, you know, Googling craft sites, like a whole new world appeared to me. And I was just like, whoa, there's a lot there. 
But, you know, I've picked out embroidering. I've tried uh, paper art. Um, and then suddenly, you know, what, what, what was a strategy to get me through suddenly without really thinking about it became a bit of a passion and something that met so many of the needs that I, I were being met by drinking alcohol, fidgeting being a big one of them for me. Um, so that was really important and a real joy and it's still a joy. And I still love finding new crafts and I'm about to make myself some clay earrings. Don't know how that's going to go, but it's going to be, it, it could be good. It could be bad. But just to go back to the community side that I think everybody has mentioned, whether it's swimming with um, the ladies in the ocean, whether it's um, online and you find a community or whatever. I used to be uh, in a ladies football team in my twenties and early thirties and drinking was a big part of that culture. And so, you know, you have to find other ways to connect. And um, especially if you work from home and you, you are the main carer at home for your children, reaching out and finding that uh, for me, the Club Soda has been absolutely key. I've met Ian online for, uh, on and the Club Soda website, um, Facebook group, but lots of other people. And, and, and you, you connect with people all over the world and they're very, very interesting, full lives they're living and you learn from, from them. So it becomes... Um, like I say, the strategies that you put in place just somehow take over and become really healthy, healthy ways of living your life, in in my opinion, anyway. And I could go on, but I won't. I'll I'll hand back. But yeah, I, I feel very, very positive about the the new the, the future now in terms of um having an alcohol free identity and feeling really proud of that. That's so fantastic to hear. I, I find that inspiring and I'm kind of yeah in the same space you are but I still find that inspiring thank you so much for sharing Laura and Ian I think that's fantastic and yeah I, I like this the idea that nature doesn't like a vacuum unless it's in Ian's hands um cleaning his house with it but um it's so true and this idea that we need to replace uh, these identities but we, we're replacing like, these identities with, with things that are so much more interesting and enjoyable but isn't it amazing how you said how you were judgmental about um craft and I think that comes from that very formative stage of sort of being 15 16 17 18 where so many things where we're so judgmental aren't we and it's amazing how that gets hard baked into us almost um, can I can I just jump in there Richard because when you're 16 and 17 on MTV and on the things there aren't really cool adverts of crafters roller skating through bars holding Bacardi breezes are there the image you get given as you grow up in in our culture is one of this is the only way to be cool or this is the only way to have value in our society and I think that what I think Club Soda do and other organizations are beginning to do really really well including alcohol change is that 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 opposite um, narrative a new positive narrative that alcohol free I don't like seeing the word sober sometimes sober feels like I'm really sober I like being free you know alcohol free is is about embracing all these other things that once you take your alcohol blinkers off that have been going on around you all the time and you just haven't been in the mindset to see it. Thanks so much, Laura. Yeah, alcohol freedom is a great phrase, great, great, great um, phrase I use as, as well. Uh, and I loved you sharing that. Thank you. So, yeah, we, we, need, to, we need to think about how what expo- we're exposing our young people to in terms of marketing. Um, so I'm just going to say a couple of brief words uh, about Alcohol Change UK, because I think that's useful. So I think, um, I think what Club, Club Soda uh, is fantastic at is providing that, that space. I think what, what Laura and I talk about is that, you know, what Alcohol Change UK is also trying to change that world we're in from a political point of view uh, and a policy point of view. So we'd encourage people, we encourage people to join Club Soda 
Uh, and I would like to encourage people, if they're interested in being activists or campaigners around this, we can change this. It can change and it will change, but it will change faster if we work together um, and if we work together um, now. So if you're interested in activism or campaigning, uh, do do join Alcohol Exchange UK. Um, you know, our website's there. We also have the, the one of the biggest selection of alcohol-free drinks reviews on our website as well. So like like many people, like, like Club Soda, we believe that the alcohol-free drinks um, are uh, play, as they were for Ian and I and others, an essential role. I, don't, I mean, I really, really mean I, I'm not sure I could have done it without. So um, critical, critical, really. Uh, and I think finding that taste, as Latif said, is, is so important. So those reviews are helpful. Um, and then I mentioned the Try Dry app. The Try Dry app is, uh, was finalist in the recent um, UK App Awards. Uh, it's one of the best apps out there. We think it's non-judgmental. It doesn't, it's not a sobriety app. It's not just a drinks track. And those missions, the ability to um, set any goal you like, I think is so important because so many of us are told what to do, right? <laughs> so many of us have got in this position in the first place because we were told we had to drink. And I think we need we need a world when we're not being told what to do. And I think that's what this app does. It helps you to find your own way, find your own journey. So that's the app, Try Try. We've got a few minutes left. So I'm going to ask um, us all just to say kind of one more thing kind of by way of wrap up. Um, so this is just a, 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 any, anything else that you've not covered that you think um, you'd like uh, the listeners um, uh, or, or viewers of this to, to, to see or hear um, or any final words. And it can be uh, something that you've already said, but you want to emphasize. That's fine. It doesn't have to be brand new. Uh, or it could be a, a new thought that you've, you've, you've not yet had the opportunity to get over. So we're going to go uh, Latif, Laura, Emma, and Ian in that order. So uh, I'll put you on the spot, Latif. Anything no, no, please. No, it's great. Uh, <laughs> firstly, a big thank you. I, I've, I've found this conversation helpful on a, on a personal level, so it's, it's awesome to kind of be around this energy. And, yeah, my last kind of word is that um, in line with, you know, how, how to stop drinking at home and offering the options, we're going to be releasing a product, which is a, a cocktail delivery box, which is everything you need to make a, a, an incredible high quality cocktail at home. And you can kind of find that on our, our socials. So that's Instagram.com forward slash the wagon AF. And that should be available from around December. So that will hopefully help some people um, yeah, try new habits around alcohol. And, and thanks. Fantastic. So you can become a craft mixologist in your own right, in your own home. Fantastic. What a, what a better place to be than uh, just drinking yourself to death in your own home. Uh, okay. Uh, what did I say? I forgot the order I said. Did I say Laura next? I, yeah. I think you did, but I couldn't remember. So I'm glad you said that. Um, well, I, I think I've been quite clear about how I think it's a really great move for people to make. It's not an easy one, but it is a it is really, really worth it. I think one of the things that stops people from drinking is this belief that life after alcohol is just a sort of sepia version of the life you were living before. And actually it's the complete opposite once you take your once you take that substance out of your body even if you're drinking you know not huge amounts it has a big effect on on your energy levels on your enthusiasm on your mood and when when that leaves your body and you know the the, the chemical and physical things um go I felt like a, I felt like someone turned up the volume on life and 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 the and technicolor, and yeah, you still have bad days. You, you, my kids still scream in the evenings and they annoy me and I love them and all this kind of stuff. But you you just can be much more present and and have a much more sort of fulfilling and um, authentic life. And I I don't think I'd trade that for anything now. 
And also, thank you guys. I've really enjoyed this too. Really have. Thank you very much. Thanks so much, Laura. Uh, Emma. Equally, it's gorgeous to be with you guys. Really nice to meet you all, um, for sure. And just also to kind of reiterate around the um, alcohol-free drinks piece, because I also found them very useful. Um, and I often work with clients. I think that quite often people can have a, a feeling of restriction. Um, I can't do this. I can't drink alcohol. And one of the things that I find really helpful, and a lot of my clients find really helpful with alcohol-free drinks, be they um, replicants or something completely different, like a fancy tea, like Laura said, is <clears throat> the, the idea of having an abundance is really nice. So instead of going into like I'm going into kind of restriction, just that concept of being, you know, well, I can drink as much as I like. I've got all these different things to choose from. So it is a really nice um, way of thinking around it. That's a fantastic word, abundance. Yes, thank you. Thank you so much, Emma. Um, and Ian, final thoughts? Yeah, I'd like to reiterate what Emma said, actually. Uh, focus on the, it's kind of connected, focus on the positives. Focus on everything that sobriety can bring you rather than everything that you perceive it's taken away. Um, because it's nothing like you expect it to be. Uh, it's it, it's so much more, like Laura said, like you've all said, actually, it is so much more. I just thought I'd stop drinking and that would be it. I just wouldn't drink anymore and it'd be boring and blah, blah, blah. But it is utterly incredible and it's completely changed my life. Um, mental health is just so much more under control everything is just um, i've got a lot more money um well you, i don't know where it's gone but i've saved quite a bit more that i wouldn't have spent on booze um but yeah my father i don't really i haven't really got that much more to add other than um get lots of cake and ice cream in if you're going to stop drinking because when you take alcohol away you take away a lot of sugar there's a lot of sugar in alcohol and a lot of cravings that you have um it's not actually alcohol you're craving it's sugar um and if you've got sweets, biscuits, uh, it's terrible for a diet for a bit, but don't worry about it. You can sort that out later. I used to eat a litre of ice cream a day when I stopped drinking. <laughs> I just, I, I was just like, I, I don't know what's wrong with me. I never used to like sweet stuff, but you, you'll get this insatiable appetite for sweet things. So that will help with cravings. Um, so if you are going to stop drinking at home, then do that. Get lots of sweet stuff in. And don't worry about it. Just ditch the, ditch the uh, ice cream a few months later, maybe. But yeah, and I'd like to say thank you for inviting me on and it's great to meet you all. Thanks so much, Ian. So yeah, the sweet sugar cravings are a thing we all recognise. If, you, if you've not been there yet, um, you'll get there. And um, yeah, it's very, very common. Um, so I'm just it's all final thoughts from me then. Um, firstly, um, I want to yeah, thank anyone who, who's uh, watching this and enjoying this. I hope you found this useful and inspiring. Um, you know, this is for you. So this is this is for you. If you if you found this useful, fantastic. If you need more help or more support, um, do check out the Alcohol Change UK website. We've got loads of materials on there that can help you uh, understand if you may have an issue, and loads and loads of tips and advice for how to how to um, re remove that the remove the problem from your life um, and and live the sorts of lives that these amazing people are living. <laughs> um, I wonder, Ian. You know, you said you well, you wanted where your money's gone. What if it's gone on cleaning products? 
Oh, no, yeah. no, judging by the state of my flat, it definitely hasn't gone on cleaning products. Uh, okay, so it was it was while you were going through the process, you were in the flat hygiene mode, but now you've, you know, yeah. you've let it go again. I've, I've, yeah, I'm just <laughs> back, back to being a slob now, yeah, yeah. <laughs> good, good to hear. Um, uh, so, yeah, we hope you got lots out of this, but, yeah, do reach out, do stay in touch. And, and I think I would, if I would say anything, uh, I would say don't wait. If there's anything in here that you think is kind of might be of interest, take action today. Take action today. Your life is shorter <laughs> than you're probably going to want it to be. Uh, almost most people find their life is shorter than they want. So, um, yeah, take action now. Uh, experiment. Find your own way, whether it's complete sobriety, cutting back, reducing, whatever. Um, find your own way. Um, but, yeah, don't, don't feel that um, a life with alcohol in it is essential. Alcohol is optional. That was amazing and fascinating. And actually, I've learned lots of things that um, I'd forgotten because it's, you know, like nine and a half years on for me now. But also it could even apply to other habits that you want to change at home. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. And I think, you know, um, Richard's summing up of the key, seven key reasons why we drink at home. They're really useful. You know, if you just want a sense check, is my drinking at home getting out of hand? You know, in Club Soda, we will will support you to cut down as much as to stop completely. So it may be just that you need to fine tune your at home drinking habits. Um, But yeah, so many good tips there from everyone about avoiding drinking at home. So guys, if you want to carry on getting amazing advice like this, then do subscribe to our podcast because that means that you will get it into your whatever app you use, <laughs> I guess. Whatever app, that's what they call it. Whatever app, um, all the apps where where you regularly get your podcasts. Mm-hmm. Um, um, and Go on, you say it. And you can find everything related to Club Soda at joinclubsoda.com. Um, and we're pretty much everywhere else at Join Club Soda. And uh, thanks for your company. It's been great spending time with you and we'll see you again soon. Cheers. Cheers.